0: The MMA Geeks Sea Level Podcast with your hosts
1: Stan Dariyev and Nick Brachia.
0: Welcome to the MMA Geeks Sea Level Podcast. Stan Dryav, Nick Braccia on deck. And we're going to break down UFC 258 coming up this weekend, where Kamaru Usman faces his former training partner in Gilbert Burns for the welterweight championship. And of course, we're going to talk about last week's card, UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Volkov. Nikolai, another win for your boy over here. I warned you last week. A
1: first first win. A first win. Welcome. Welcome to the scoreboard. (laughs)
0: Look at you. I I like this. Uh, You were talking a lot of trash last week after walking away with that uh tiebreaker win and nick i warned you man you don't want to do that we both know where
1: this is going <laughs> and yeah, i dominated I nick have, i think all of my I did picks not have a good well you know it's i think our actual picks for what we thought was going to happen weren't that far off but the way that the drafting netted out yeah i took it on the chin last week it was not a uh not a good showing
0: as a matter me. of fact uh, they were pretty far off i went 10 and 2 and you went
1: six and five in the overall picks. That dominant. was it, because we we only disagreed on three, but okay. but I'll no, take...
0: we, we we did, we only disagreed on three, but then I don't think you made an official pick for that Ode Osborne versus Jerome Rivera fight. Uh, oh, and, because and...
1: the change happened so late. Yeah. Exactly, so I, I didn't. didn't count that fight for you since you didn't no, get to I make No, but I did agree with you. I did ag- I did agree with Osborne, because you didn't even know, you didn't make your pick until after the fight had happened. But I That's assume, true, we can eliminate I can ben assume, ben assume that you, well, no, we two. don't have to. I can assume that you showed honor, that you went against your instincts and didn't look and see what happened before you made your pick. Nick, I'm um,
0: anti-spoilers uh, at all costs. I hate I know, spoilers. They I know. to remove it's... all the fun out of the event for me. But it was a, a pretty damn good fight night. We expected it to be right. I think a lot of what we expected to happen in some of these matchups ended up coming through. Uh, in the main event, you and I disagreed on the Overeem-Volkov matchup. Oof. Yeah, and... I got that one wrong. Yeah, and, and a lot of people did. I think a lot of people expected Overeem to do what he's been doing leading up to this matchup, and and that is just kind of going through a couple of tough rounds against the likes of Walt Harris, Augusto Sokai, even Alexei Olenek was kind of roughing him up a little bit before Overeem turned the tides. But that's the thing is that Overeem has been winning fights in which his opponent gets tired, and then he takes over. He's got the savvy to not expend uh, too much of his energy up until that point, save enough energy to finish when it counts, and Volkov... He is tireless, and we saw that in his matchup against, uh, even in a losing effort against Curtis Blades, where Blades took him down 14 times, neck, which is literally like that's got to be the record I think for a UFC fight. And even if you factor in Devashvili, but then Curtis Blades was exhausted, and Volkov was full of energy in those last two rounds, and that is part of the reason I picked over him here. Uh, Another part of the re—I'm sorry—I picked uh, Volkov here. Another part of the reason is that Volkov. Uh, he's way bigger than he used to be. He, I think, he put on about twenty pounds. He weighed in at two hundred and sixty-four pounds for this matchup, Nick, and yeah. and that is like that is really scary to be fighting a guy who is that tall, who is still fairly fit looking, right? But now he's he's literally as large as a as a UFC fighter can be. Um, he's tireless. On top of that, he's got really good striking. And I think part of the benefit of putting on all that weight is that he can really sit down on his punches now. And add some serious power to his volume, and man, I am impressed. I think,
1: yeah, that's that's the thing. I was impressed too. But what? Listen, what, here's what we've seen previously. Even though his technique and his output is great, heavyweight fighters in the top ten or twelve generally wear Volkov's punches uh, pretty well. And Overeem, for all his potential uh, or alleged chininess, after you know he's certainly been knocked out plenty of times but generally against big hitters. And in these recent fights, his chin is held up until um, he needs to take, you know, he needs to take over as long as he's not fighting a Rosen strike. But the, it wasn't, it wasn't just the volume he quit from the beginning, from the first round, he, it was clear he was not going to be able to wear Volkov shots. He could not, he was not going to be able to handle that power. And it, he he really had, you know, he was he wasn't gonna get him down or or, or set up a uh, a single leg, uh, or get him against the cage and get the takedown. He tried kind of, and there was just nothing for him to do because he was he just was not gonna be able to take this power. But I think it surprised him. It surprised me.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it surprised him just uh, by the looks of it. But again, if you look back at his last couple of fights, Augusto Sakai was kind of dominating the first couple of rounds, and it was just purely by sheer volume and offense. And Overeem was just kind of keeping that uh, high guard up, not really doing a whole lot besides waiting for Sakai to punch himself out. And Walt Harris was kind of similar, where Walt Harris was actually able to hurt Overeem. And Harris hurts mediocre opponents, right? But he doesn't hurt elite opponents, He was able to hurt Overeem, and then he got basically smashed by Volkov, and that's part of my calculation for this matchup, is that uh, uh, Overeem, like, he's not going to outweigh Volkov. Volkov, he might just have enough pop, enough power to hurt Overeem, although I wasn't sure that he did, to be fair. And yeah, man, uh, Volkov really came through extremely impressive. I'm still not sure what team he trains with, but he's clearly put a lot of his game together. I think, like, it's safe to say that only an elite wrestler can beat Volkov realistically. And to be honest with you, I don't absolutely hate his chances against Curtis Blades now that he has that experience. Toward the end of that fight against Blades, he ended up taking Blades down, which I think is pretty significant. I think probably he's the only guy to ever do that. And I have to say one more thing. Uh, Volkov won in a very similar fashion against another elite heavyweight in Fabricio Verdum back in 2018, right? He was dominating Derek Lewis until, until Derek Lewis came back with a hellacious overhand right in the end. Literally in the last twelve seconds of their fight back in two thousand eighteen, and then he lost a fair fight to Curtis Blades. But outside of these two losses to Blades and Lewis, he's been undefeated since two thousand sixteen. Um, two thousand fifteen, yeah. I should say. Uh, the guy really is legit, and uh, I think it's time we start looking at him as a serious oh. contender.
1: Yeah, the clear next fight is the winner of, of Cyril GaN. Jorzenio Rosenstrike. It needs to fight Volkov, and that's a fight. I'm. I mean, either one of those is fascinating to me, but especially uh, the potential kickboxing match between him and Cyril. Yeah, I could. I mean, or or Rosenstrike, but Cyril. But you know, as much as Rosenstrike's kind of cool, he's um, his his approach is very different from Volkov's. Like Volkov is a volume striker. He throws combos. He has a terrific jab. Rosenstrike, though, he has that background. Does He's, his volume his output's not great. He's kind of, you know, he's a power shot hunter. Would you disagree yep. or Yeah, I agree with you there. Oh, you agree. Okay. Yeah, um, and
0: and yeah, I think particularly fascinating would be the Cyril Gon fight. I agree with you yep. there. Uh ju- just the output between these two, the fact that
1: they're
0: uh, Gon is 65 and Volkov is 67. This is the first time that Volkov, uh, I'm sorry, Gon will be fighting a guy that can match him you know, give or take athletically, right? Like Volkov is fairly fast himself. He's not They're maybe as fast. light on yeah. his feet. Uh, but but again, Volkov being as heavy as he is now, I think that is the biggest deal for him. I think him having a 17, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, about, yeah, about 17 pound weight advantage over Gane could pay him some dividends, but Gane presumably should be the faster man of on that one. I'm very excited about it. And Overy, man, now at this point, I've counted it up, he's got 19 knockout losses between his kickboxing and his mixed martial arts career, and that's not even a factor in. I'm sure he's been knocked out several times in the gym throughout his career, right over 20 years of fighting. So where does he go next? Like his UFC contract is over as of this fight. I don't know that the UFC is excited about paying him 700 grand to come in and main event a mediocre fight card. Uh, what do you think is next for the veteran in Overeem
1: Ida uh, if he needs to keep competing I'll say the same thing I say about him as other fighters submission <laughs> submission grappling like yeah but know, that's not real Abu, D- Abu Dhabi he's
0: going like, either it's a striking or Bellator ugh. or something like that
1: I don't I don't need to see I, I like Alistair Overeem I don't need to uh I, you know this is a this is a card where a lot of guys that I I, like, I think. I just don't need to see them fight again. I mean, I think it's time for us to take ride that theme and shift over to the co event. event. Um, Frankie Edgar's not going to get a title shot at 135. That ship is now sailed. Yeah, uh, like he would favorite. be. He would be at least. He would need to string together three to four wins to even be in the in the picture. At which point he'd be 42 at that low weight class. Um, you know, I. My favorite fighter, the guy, his fight with, as I mentioned on the show, his fight with Tyson Griffin is the show that really made me, uh, that shifted me over from a pa- like a passive interest to what this is for me. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, it was a great fight. And I agree. And um, I believe it ended with Frankie and a knee bar, and he still he got the decision, but but Tyson Griffin had a really tight knee bar at the end of it. It's been such a joy to watch his career. I was worried this would happen. I never in my wildest nightmares thought it would be uh, so spectacular. Right and now. yeah, well, you, can't, you can't say anything except that Corey Sanhagen looked huge. He's dangerous from everywhere. He understands and knows how to use his range. And uh, he just, you know, Frankie was moving well. He was fainting, He but he, he kind of Ben Askren or Chris Weidman into it he you know he was putting his he was leaning in but either he went either he committed too far on a on a takedown feint or um or he was about to go in for it but sanhagen saw it coming clearly and just obliterated him so i don't i just i don't need or want to see frankie edgar fight again
0: yeah i think it's pretty safe to say that frankie will be fighting again and to your point, he is two and four in his last six fights. Which, for a guy that was once champion, top contender at 145 pounds after being champ at 155. And
1: Munoz is, is is was you know we've had our disagreements about that, but I think we, you know, looking back at it, I can see that fight clearly for Munoz. I'm glad Frankie got it, but you know then that would be one victory.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, I, I, don't, I thought we agreed at the time that Munoz deserved that win. I, I know the MMA world all thought that Frankie did, and they were glad Frankie won, and, and maybe that's kind of your sentiment, but I thought Pedro Munoz won that fight, man. I thought he landed the bigger bombs. He landed more strikes than Frankie did, although Frankie looked pretty good and took some shots in that one. Yeah, it just seems like, look, the fact of the matter is that Brian Ortega elbow was with Frankie Edgar going right into Brian Ortega, and Brian Ortega timed him with the right elbow. The Chang Sung Jung over, uh, right hand that buzzed him badly, Frankie was also w- w- working right into that. And with Corey Sanhagen, Corey kind of goaded him in by taking a couple steps back, making Frankie feel like he could take steps forward. And you know how Frankie changes levels, whether it be for his takedowns or for his uh, boxing, and Corey Sanhagen was there with that knee ready with that explosive flying knee man it was a spectacular knockout i think very very likely knockout of the year and and you know it, this happens sometimes where last year it was the same thing right and that impakasangani um what's his uh who was that knockout by nick last year
1: um oh geez
0: i can't remember his name but but we'll we'll think of it at some point where not uh, the
1: joaquin not the joaquin buckley knockout
0: uh, that, that's the one, but the walking oh, okay. Buckley over, over Impa Kasangana. It's funny. I remember the, the loser's name in that matchup. Um, and yeah, like you knew right away, as soon as that happened, that that's going to be knockout out of the air. I think that's likely for this one as well, unless we somehow are not thinking of this one in December, but yeah, Corey Sanhagen, spectacular knockout and Sanhagen is in this weird position now where he had pretty quick knockouts over his last couple of fights over top names, right? but he's coming off of that rear-naked choke loss in a, literally less than 90 seconds by Aljamain Sterling, and he's going into a position where he's likely going to challenge the winner of that Sterling-Peter uh, Yan matchup that's coming up uh, shortly here for the title. I mean, he's likely enough, especially if Yan comes out with the win in that one, but he's in this position where he kind of blew through Marlon Moraes and Frankie Edgar, both of whom have looked, for lack of a better word, old lately, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, well, I don't, man, yeah, Mark, there's not a lot of people, not a lot of elite, elite up and comers knocking on Mark Henry's door right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty safe to say, I think. And uh, although I, I don't know, there are definitely like there's guys like Valuev who has the potential, who we're going to discuss in a minute or so, who has the potential, I think, to be elite. He has some of these young Russian fighters. Uh, I think a couple of these wrestlers file through that gym. But yeah, I mean, a, a few of his guys are definitely on the tail end of their career. Frank Edgar being chief among them. But yeah, I, look, I expect Corey Sangen. Hagen is probably going to challenge for the title next. Fascinated by either of those matchups, I, I think the bantamweight division, unlike the lightweight division, has allowed some of these younger guys to face some of the veterans, which allows for there to be new stars and new contenders. That's why we have a new champion, we have a new contender that's about to fight him in Aljamain Sterling. We have a new guy in Corey Sanhagen who is coming up to challenge for that title shortly. And we're going to discuss, obviously, lightweight next. Let's actually get into, I know we're skipping a couple of fights, uh, but we'll get back to those. Let's get into Benil Daryush and Diego Ferraro, We knew it. We knew it
1: would be fight of the night. This was the fight. It was so, so satisfying uh, to watch this fight and to root for both of these guys and to not know what was going to happen and to see such uh, elite jujitsu from Faheya, but such great control and and poise and situational uh awareness. awareness, um and and confidence in all aspects of his game from Dariush.
0: Yeah, Dariush has been I mean, if we look at his record Nick, like he's been elite for a while, right? He's just almost got a little too cocky against Uh, Michael Chiesa, who he was dominating until he gave up his back and got choked out back in 2016, right? He was dominating Edson Barboza with his pressure, and then Barboza came out with that flying knee. And and Alexander Hernandez, who turns out to be, you know, kind of a mediocre uh, prospect at best. Still early. uh, It's It's true. It's true, but but. we've seen that he can lose heart in, in the right kind of matchup. We've seen that he can get frustrated, so the mental game isn't all there. He was knocked out by him pretty early, but. When you look at his body of work, man, he's now got yep. wins over Dracar Close, who was uh, eleven and one going into that matchup. He beat Drew Dober, who's been. Which yeah looks throw, better throwing every day. people around yeah he beat Thiago Moises who's looking the best he ever has now Diego Ferreira I, I think is a huge win for him and even if you look back Rashid Magomedov was considered a good fighter James Vick when he was knocked out by him was a good fighter Michael Johnson Jim Miller yeah I mean he's been finished ago, right
1: he's st- he has been finished four times yes. which means that you know there are um there are, he's he's corrected things defensively. But he is, you know, he he is a finishable fighter um, if he makes mistakes. I guess you could argue anybody is, but yes, he is. This victory against the sur- the surging, but simultaneously surging and aging Faheya. Um you know, I'm gonna look at the rankings right now, and we, I mean, playing matchmaking with Benil or is fun. But you were you were also right about. Um, you know the thing that you he he echoed what you always say, which is we we watch two prospects, and it's hard to call Fahe a prospect a surging guy because he's not a prospect because he's not he's 36. But um, yeah, they they kind of eliminated each other versus one of the guys that they could maybe beat, who's higher ranked, who's looking you know and negotiating with the UFC for a kind of a, a specialized or preferred matchup or a right. big or a big money fight. But, yeah, these guys, you know, I mean, frankly, and this is not to knock on Frankie, who I've already established as my hero, like, did Frankie really deserve to be in there against, you know, against Sandhagen? Like, or is there some other guy, not to put a prospect against a prospect, but is there, is the matchmaking's a little fishy sometimes. I think that's just, that's what I'm saying. Well, and,
0: well, I, I will say this. I think Frankie Edgar facing a guy like Sandhagen, that's exactly the right solution for Lightweight. Let's have guys like Yeah, Poirier, I think you're right. But, Chandler, Ferguson, McGregor, Del Sanos let's let's have these guys fight the up and comers like Daryush, like Diego Ferreira, like Islam Makachev, right? Like these are the guy, these are the future of the division. And Ferreira, granted, he's 36, he doesn't have a whole lot of miles on him. And I'm hoping he can be one of those guys that uh is approaching 40 and still at the top of his game, since he just cut he's right now, I think, at his best point. But I would love to see these guys face the top, and that's what Benil Daryush was talking about, right? You had, like you said, you had these two prospects go against each other. One of them is eliminated now. Both of them should have been fighting names, and both of them should have been approaching that top five. And I hope that that's what they will be doing with Benil You, I don't know if he expressed himself properly for everyone to fully understand what
1: he was trying to say there. I think. I mean, those fight. there's so many. I would. I would. Pro, listen, there's a guy that's always up for a fight, and I would watch. I would watch either of those guys fight RDA. Um, I think that's a great. Yes. I think that's a great fight. I'd love to see him on the ground with Fehea and I'd love to see him him against Darius. is a fascinating matchup to me. Okay. Uh, I think that I think phenomenal. that's a good one to make. The other thing, if you do if you go Darius RDA, both coming off wins and coming off losses, it'd be very curious for the psychology of one Kevin Lee to if he's really going to be in this game, if he's going to make it. What would he do with the jiu-jitsu of Diego Fehea? Like, I don't. I, think, I don't
0: think I need to see it, but that would be a good comeback. I'm just so saying far. that's.
1: Yeah. Listen, it's it's a, in a shitter get off the pot fight. I think that's you know who else is he? Who else do you? Who else do you fight? Put him. You know, I I, I don't know who else uh, you match Kevin Lee up with at this at this point. I mean, I'm feeding. not worried
0: about Kevin Lee, who's well. I'm just, on just looking at the top. I'm looking
1: streak. at. I'm lo- yeah, but I'm looking at people coming off of a loss who are in the top 15.
0: Paul Felder, Diego Ferreira, I think would be phenomenal. I know Felder's angling for bigger matchups, but quite frankly, Felder's not really that elite. Uh Dan Hooker, it sounds like yep. he is sticking around despite leaving his gloves in the octagon.
1: Those are uh, both interesting. Those are yeah. both interesting fights. For for
0: Fahea, um, I would love either of those two. Or Tony Ferguson for that matter. Like I don't know that I know Tony's talking trash to all the top guys, but he needs a win over a guy like Ferrer, over a guy like maybe uh maybe like Paul Felder, right? So match match those those three or four up one way or another. And Birodaryush man, like I know Oliveira's angling for a title shot, and he deserves it. Justin Gaethje would be fascinating. I would kill to see that fight. Michael Chandler would be interesting. I don't think Michael Chandler with one win going into the UFC really deserves a title shot, if we're going to be honest about it. Um, I would love to see either those matchups or RDA for that matter since RDA is coming off of a win in the lightweight division I think any of those matchups would make me pretty happy man but yeah phenomenal phenomenal performance by both guys uh, and Daryush came through like both of us expected he would let's get into uh, Clay Guida Michael Johnson we basically expected I mean yeah what
1: Guida you can't stop Clay Guida man death isn't even going to stop Clay Guida he's like it was it's sad because again Michael Johnson may be the most uh, unfulfilled promise of any uh, of any UFC fighter. He showed such uh, flashes of greatness and a couple of signature wins. I mean, really, over over elite guys. A guy that had who buzzed Khabib as seriously as Khabib's been buzzed, frankly. Um, and he just he's been unable to put to he's been un, unable to put it together. There's nothing else to say. And Guida, Guida, Guida. He Guida to the best of his ability.
0: Yeah, but I will. I will quickly say I agree with you. Like I don't even think Michael Johnson's worth discussing. Unfortunately, Guida though he has actually improved. Like his striking is way better. He was landing those right hands with serious technique. I think a lot of people yep. expected Michael Johnson to buzz through him on the feet. Clay Guida was doing really well on the feet, and I knew that uh, Johnson couldn't take the pressure of Clay Guida, and that's how this fight worked out. Clay Guida was a great betting opportunity. I think I mentioned that last week, and I hope some of you took advantage of it. Let's talk about Alexander. It's the only pick I got
1: right, I think.
0: Uh, from your I think you got two uh, I think two of your picks yeah, came through. Yeah. Clay Guida was one of them. Uh, Alexandra Patoja versus Manel Cop. Uh, I I said his name as Cop last week by the way. I didn't realize you pronounce it Cop. Uh, I saw okay. Pantoja- during this during
1: this show by the way, you've said Gon and Gane and I just don't know which I one know, I know.
0: I di- I did notice that. I'm pretty sure he prefers Gon at least. Um, Being that he's French, it only makes sense, right? There's got to be like an unpronounced syllable in there somewhere. Uh, Pantoja looked sharper than ever. I think he realized that it was his conditioning and his brawling that has been hurting him, right? That's what hurt him against Ascar Askarov was his conditioning. Um, and Askarov's wrestling, of course, Askarov's a legit fighter. And Davidson Figueredo, I think it was the fact that he was willing to brawl with Davidson that hurt him because if he would have taken top position once or twice, maybe he could have made that fight closer even though it was a, it was an exciting firefight. Um, he fixed that here, right? Cop is, no, Cop is known as a really sharp precision striker and but he is hittable, like I said he's he is last week, and I thought Pantoja should be able to get takedowns uh and and able to land enough power shots on cop going into his u f c debut It worked out, but Pantoja looked sharper than ever he looked better conditioned than ever, and he actually physically to me looked like he was in the best shape of his u f c career, so I'm glad to see him buttoning up some of his issues that were hurting his career in the past. That's exactly what I want to see from a fighter that actually wants to stick around at the very top of a division. And I think next for Pantoja, Nick um, Brandon Roy Val, I think would be fascinating and better I'm not sure if he's ever fighting again. And if he's not, let's take him out of the rankings, but if he is him versus Pantoja, I think would be a really fun fight to make.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. Um,
0: maybe Matt Chanel could be an option as well for, for those guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. After his last performance, um,
0: Let's quickly zip through the rest of the card. Uh, Danilo Marquez made Mike Rodriguez's submission defense look shitty. Once again,
1: he he just doesn't have a
0: ground game. Devonte Smith looked phenomenal against Justin Janes. Closed his eye in that second round, and the, uh, the doctor called it. Carol Rosa looked phenomenal against Jocelyn Edwards. I uh, I expected this to, to be a really good fight for Rosa. I thought the odds were a little bit too close, even though Rosa was a favorite. Procopio, I expected to come through over Molly McCann, and she did, man. Yeah, she did. Put the numbers on her. Put those takedowns on her. Molly McCann does not have a very good ground game. Molly McCann, again, has beaten really mediocre fighters in the UFC, people that don't belong in the UFC. And she's lost to like really serious prospects. And Procopio is probably somewhere in between there. And she showed that she has a couple of levels above Molly McCann. And I guess we can get in a little bit to the Sungwoo Choi versus Yusuf Zalal matchup.
1: Yeah. Wow. I I didn't expect Zalal to not have an answer. I don't know what I don't know what he was thinking. We've we've seen yeah, and
0: we've seen that twice in a row now with him.
1: Well, the last time he didn't have an answer. He was against an elite ground guy, and this time, which was which wasn't a huge surprise, but he's supposed to be, and we've seen flashes of him being this you know uh, striking prodigy. And we saw early with his with his, you know his head movement, his feints. He looked he looked good, but Choi um choi was not afraid of him his own striking was technical and he just appeared to be much stronger he basically just pre- he just basically pressured and uh had he had he had a he had a strike a striker trying to win the fight based on his mediocre grappling and yeah you know, what are you gonna do it just it, it was it was a disappointment I thought I was waiting for zalal to break out and show us um elite elite kickboxing and we never got it
0: I think that zalal is kind of a jack-of-all-trades but he's a little bit better than just good everywhere he's like very good everywhere i would say um but he's not elite anywhere and you need that nowadays right like Taporia has I mean Taporia is really excellent everywhere from what I've seen so far his wrestling his striking his grappling is phenomenal Um, but a guy like Sangwoo Choi who has the specialty in the striking he's a big guy right so he has the size the the weight advantage the the uh, kind of strength advantage over a lot of opponents and Zalal on top of being very good everywhere and not great anywhere he's not particularly strong right he doesn't have power in his hands he's not all that physically strong he can get taken down by stronger men. And if you look at the guys that he's beaten, at this point we have a pretty good idea. It's guys, Austin Lingo, Jordan Griffin, and Peter Barrett, not the strongest bunch of guys in the world, right? Not necessarily the most technical overall in the world. And then he lost to two guys that are stronger than him, who are more technical than him, at least in the avenues where they kept the fight. And yeah, his Law has some work to do. I think strength and conditioning should be a major, major focus for this kid. If he can add some pop into his punches, if he can, um, if he can add some strength into his takedown defense and takedown offense game, into his clinch game, I think that will go a long way for this young man and uh timor value looked phenomenal as i expected he would against martin day i mean he basically went for the khabib game plan and he has you know really impressive striking and he got caught in his ufc debut uh, after dominating with literally every strike he wanted to and in this matchup he decided to take the safe route to just control martin jane uh, martin day he took him down at will and did his thing man uh odr osborne just a quick knockout over Jerome Rivera Rivera threw that head kick as a last-minute replacement through the head kick Ode Osborne kind of blocked with his shoulder and came back with a big left hand put him down and finished him in a couple of seconds Um, I think that'll do it for this card Nikolai let's take a break we're gonna come back and break down UFC 258 where we have Kamar Usman defending the welterweight title against Gilbert Burns Back on the podcast, and we're going to break down UFC 258, Usman versus Burns. Nick, we're 1-1 this season, seems competitive so far. Uh, Although, if we look at the points, Nick, I I don't think it's that close. You know how we discussed we're going to give each other, uh, like, I have 6 points to your 3 from this last event. The reason you have 3 points is because you picked underdog Clay Guida, and he came through for you, so you got... Two points for that fight uh and then uh and then the week prior to that i think you have a half a point advantage over me so i should be three and a half points up over you overall even though i'm only even though we are tied with the events and we can kind of figure out how we're going to calculate all of that as we go nikolai but in the meantime we do have this card coming up here i believe i have the first pick after you picked first last week and i'm going to take rodolfo Vieira to beat anthony hernandez uh, as my first pick. Now, I'll be honest with you, I think the odds are a little bit too wide since Hernandez had a pretty competitive uh, fight with Brendan Allen on the ground. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. It was a five round fight. A lot of it took place on the ground and it was pretty back and forth, which t- tells me that. Hernandez for him mentally uh is where he's been faltering in the UFC so it's possible that Hernandez survives the first round on the ground and then starts to kind of land damaging shots on a tired Vera as the fight goes on but I expect Vera to muscle his way to take down and submit Hernandez yep. early uh Hernandez has potential um and I, like I said I'm not sure if it's a mental weakness thing or a physical durability issue with him but but I'd like to see him uh, make good on his potential sooner or later
1: uh, I'm completely with you on that fight, and for my first pick, and this would probably going to be your second, I'm going to go with Bilal Muhammad against the less effective Lima brother. Um, I just, I like Bilal Muhammad, uh a lot, he kind, I mean, he's kind of the poor man's Benil Daryush, but he's, um, uh, and we haven't, I feel like we haven't seen him in a minute, but I just, I believe that his, I believe I just think he's a superior fighter to Diego Lima pretty much everywhere and I I see him this has has the makings of a 3027 to me. I just don't I don't it's a it's kind of a weird matchup. I would think that Muhammad would get a um a higher ranked opponent.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. Probably should have been fighting someone else. But Lima is on a three-fight winning streak after losing a few in the UFC. He's actually very skilled just about everywhere. Really technical striker. uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. And his brother might be the best welterweight outside of the UFC and Diego Lima. So his level of training is pretty high out there in Georgia. But I'm picking Bilal because he's so crafty, right? He's also kind of obsessed with the sport and is constantly improving both in his skill and his strength and conditioning. I thought that he looked the fastest he ever has in his last fight. And at this point, he's a top 10 quality fighter, even though he's not the most athletic, Uh, very good striking, solid wrestling, really good Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I think he'll pressure Lima into exchanges that he's not comfortable with. And he can always rely on takedowns to stifle Lima's offense and work from top position. Uh, Plus Lima has a fragile chin and Bilal might just have enough pop to drop him at this point in his career. So I am there with you. And that was going to be my next pick my pick after that is going to be see this is where it gets a little bit tough I think there are a few fights that that uh have a kind of even chances of of the favorite winning I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Bobby Green to beat Jim Miller in this matchup I think Jim Miller like has shown over the last several years ever since he uh got what is his um He's got Lyme's disease, right? Like, he is extremely dangerous in the first round, whether it be with his striking or with his submissions, right? But he hasn't won a fight that has gone past the first round, I think, in, in four years. And that's probably how this fight's going to go. Jim Miller's probably going to have either a good or competitive first round. And then Bobby Green is going to start to take over with the takedown defense with his volume striking. Green has really picked up the amount of offense that he throws out there. Um, I, I think that Green Green is incredibly hard to finish. So I don't think it's likely that Miller picks up a first round uh, submission here. So I think Green will take a 2-1 uh, to decision, if not 3
1: Yeah, I had the same pick there, and that was pretty high up on my list. Um, also high up on my list is, uh, I have, I have Ricky Simone, who's just looked fantastic. I guess not amazing competition, but looked really good against Brian Kelleher, who's, um, who's a terrific fighter. He's just, he just, I just think he's a bit older. And I think that Simone is strong enough and savvy enough that he's not going to get caught, uh, caught in a sub or walk into anything big. And that he's, um, you know, aside from that Faber, uh, that Faber loss, he's, um, he's just looked really, really good. Um, and he's able to, to, you know, run with Borg uh, the way that he did. I just don't, uh, it's like, I think Kellerher's a live dog. He'd be an interesting underdog to pick, but I feel, uh, I feel like Ricky Simone should have this. This is a, a surger against a veteran fight where you, the, the expectation is the surger will go through the gatekeeper.
0: Yeah, I'm there with you. Kelliger is dangerous standing in with his submissions against guys kind of entering the UFC, but he tends to lose to top 15 quality fighters, and that's exactly what Simone is. He pushes a relentless pace with his wrestling offense. His striking is improving, but he can be a bit fragile if he takes a big shot, so I think that's probably Kelliger's biggest avenue besides a guillotine to win this fight. I think uh, Ricky Simone takes an exciting high-paced decision over Kelliger, so I'm there with you. I think we're very much on the same page so far. My next pick, I... I'm going to pick uh Julian Marquez to beat Julian yeah, Marquez, excuse it. me, to beat Mukhi Patolo. Uh, Patolo <laughs> Patolo's shown that like he has some skill and he has some pop in his hands, but I think it might be a mental uh, block with him. Marquez is like a solid pressure fighter overall well-rounded but not really elite anywhere. He does have some power though and picks up aggression as the fight kind of matures. He's coming off a controversial decision lost to Alessio. De Kirico is coming off of a big win, you know, a couple of years later, but he has been out. Marquez has for two and a half years because of injuries. Um again, Maki's a solid first round striker and then kind of loses steam big time, loses focus after that. I think Marquez pressures his way to finish in the second or third round. Patolo's one and three in the UFC and Marquez should be two and zero against pretty good competition. So there should be kind of a level or two difference between these two guys. That is a betting opportunity. Julio Marquez at minus 165, I think is a great opportunity for this matchup. And I'm quickly going to throw this out there. Ricky Simone in a parlay at minus 250 or a decision prop. That'll work well. Bobby Green in a parlay of two fighters or a decision prop. That'll work. Blah Muhammad, same thing. A two-fighter parlay or a decision prop at these odds. I think that makes sense. Go for it, buddy.
1: Um, I'm going to go with a guy that hasn't looked quite right since uh, he lost uh, to Adesanya. Uh, with the, with the, that was for the title, wasn't it? That was for the interim title.
0: Uh, yeah, that was for the interim title.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, he hasn't looked great since that happened, but with his hand speed, with his pop, with his wrestling, I just think that unless he's completely, completely shot at 29 years old, um, Kelvin Gastelum's better than Ian Heinish everywhere. Like I'd see this is, this should be Kelvin Gastelum's fight. Um, if he doesn't win this, I've got serious questions about, um, about Gastelum's future.
0: Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree. Especially given the run that Gastelum is on. He's a perennial top 10 middleweight after moving up from 170 a few years ago, fast pressure Southpaw with a solid wrestling background. He doesn't have much variety in the strikes. And I think that's part of the reason he lost to Darren Till mostly throws jabs and crosses in some combination, uh, but his speed and pressure makes up for the lacks of variety. I think he's a, uh, on a three-fight losing streak that started with a five-round war without Asanya, like you said, for the interim title back in 2019. Is, uh, yeah, mm-hmm?
1: a flat fight against Till, and then, and Definitely. then the, the the quick submission. He was looking good until he got caught.
0: Yeah, uh, for about a minute or so, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing is that Heinich is not really in a bad place in his career per se, right? He's also a pressure fighter, but not quite as fast as Gastelum. His takedown defense has been his Achilles heel as he lost decisions to Brunson and Omari Ahmedov. Both are top middleweights, but he does have wins over three Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts in Cesar Ferreira, Antonio Carlos Jr., and Gerald Mirchart, Heinich does. It seems to me like the wrestling dynamics and athleticism is what decides whether or not Heinrich wins a fight. Gasolum should have an on paper wrestling advantage he should be faster so the style matchup favors him but given his losing streak I wonder where he is mentally like you said Gashlum's mental state will probably decide this fight but I'll peg him to win a decision here in the hopes that his confidence is still in place so I do agree with you there and that was you know on my list of the next couple of fights um for the next one Nikolai I think I'm going to go with uh, the main event Nikolai, Um, I'm going to break this down quickly. Usman obviously is a pressure grappler and striker. He has a wrestling background, and his athleticism makes him hard to compete with for for, for just about everybody. He's 12-0 in the UFC, 8-1 going into the UFC, right? So he's got a phenomenal record, but he's only got three finishes in the promotion of those 12 wins. So that's really been his kind uh, of—the thing about him is how athletic he is, how hard he hits— But he doesn't really take the risks that it takes to finish fights. He's been training at elevation fight team. He already has solid conditioning, but now like it's got to be on a different league, right? Especially after about a year out there training with those guys, he will go for like just like these kind of skeevy, not really legal things like headbutts against Mosvadall. He landed like six headbutts against that guy. Foot stomps. He'll hold the clinch for minutes at a time just to kind of negate his opponent's offense, and that's a big part of what he's really good at. Burns is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu background considered a high level grappler, although I'm not sure if I've seen him like doing just killer things off his back but his athleticism has helped him become a dynamic striker under Henry Hoft. he's always looked like a good striker right he's now implementing much better setups and defense showing his maturity and I think that's the thing on, uh, about Henry Hoft is that fighters don't become good strikers under him overnight they look like they throw good technique almost right away but it takes them a while to piece their game together and, and for it to mature into a really high level striking game and I think Burns has kind of entered that territory now his wrestling is good but probably his weakest point uh, even though he He's like a very well-rounded fighter who's dangerous on the feet and on the ground. I think the dynamic of them having trained together adds so much to this matchup, right? The fact that Burns and Usman have spent countless hours training and drilling together. Both guys know the strengths and weaknesses of the other intimately, right? Gilbert has the advantage of his coaches knowing Usman's weaknesses and strengths. Usman has the advantage of learning new techniques from a new co- from the new coaches uh, that Gilbert has not been exposed to. So it's kind of this very interesting dynamic. Um, Usman's advantages are uh, two inches of height, four inches of reach. He could not possibly make 155 pounds, right? So he's a notably bigger man, I think, at this matchup. He should be the stronger man, and he's probably the stronger man in every UFC matchup he's had so far. While Burns was outmuscled by Michelle Prezeris and Rashid Magomedov years ago, He's got the NCAA All-American wrestling with 47 UFC takedowns to his name. Uh, He's got power in his hands, five UFC knockdowns, a slight advantage over Gilbert's four, and he's more durable. He's never been knocked down in the UFC. Burns has been knocked down four times, including a knockout loss to Dan Hooker. Um, He's got five-round experience. His last five fights have gone five rounds. Gilbert has only been past round three once, and it was in a fight where there was no resistance against the former champion uh, Tyron Woodley. Conditioning and output is going to favor Usman as well. He landed between 94 and 175 strikes in each of his last four fights. Burns has never even landed 94 strikes in a single fight. Usman has been training at elevation on top of that right so he should be in the best shape of his career. Burns is going to have a slight speed advantage. His Brazilian jiu-jitsu is probably better but I'm not sure that it's going to be better off his back. He's got more weapon standing right like he's he's got solid knees, solid kicks. Uh he's got stomp kicks, he's got calf kicks. I'm picking Usman given all of these advantages that he has on paper. Even if Gilbert is more dangerous on the feet, which is probably debatable, Usman should have the size and strength advantage to hold him up against defense. if… Nothing else is working. Usman's pressure and body shots will bother Burns as he begins to kind of wilt. I think in the fourth, uh, third and fourth rounds, and that's when his lack of five round experience will hurt him most. So I expect that uh, this is going to be fascinating. I know that Burns has been focusing on his specifically his strength, right? To to increase his strength, knowing that Kumar Usman has probably muscled him around in their in their training sessions, but he wanted to keep his speed. So I, I'm impressed by that. I think Burns has everything he needs going into this matchup to possibly beat Usman. But I'm not sure that he's going to be able to pull it off, given Usman's ability to just stifle all offense from his opposition.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one to pick. I think Burns is a real live dog here. Um, The thing that mostly is that there were times when Cody Covington rocked Usman, which surprised me because Covington does not rock people. He's not a uh, he's not a puncher. Burns is a puncher burns True. uh burns touch can. when burns touches you it's going to hurt whether it's a knee and elbow or a fist um so i do think that especially in the first two to three rounds that usman has to be very very careful i think burns is more dangerous than um uh masvidal was for usman but i i think for all the reasons that you said uh, the experience, the five round experience, the stamina, the smart game planning, the fact that he knows burns. I think it's um, not necessarily likely. A lot of the the you know Covington keeps such a t- can match Usman in fitness. Um, so that was, I think, what made that so competitive for so long. Yeah, um, and I also we'll think see. the
0: fact that Usman knew that he couldn't just shoot on him and get takedowns easily. I think that was a factor there, which should not be as much of a factor against Burns, but I wonder if Usman, if Usman will be afraid to be on the ground with Burns. I kind of doubt it. He shouldn't be.
1: It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think it's a very competitive. uh, It's a worthy challenger. So let's, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And I won't be surprised if Burns does it, but I do think that Usman deserves to be the favorite. Um. So next. Despite that he had that weird draw on his record, I'm going to go with the high upside Gutierrez over um, the kind of durable, uh, exciting fighter, Andre Ewell, who I just think Gutierrez has a higher upside. And every time I've picked Ewell, he's let me down. Um, So I'm going to to stick with with Gutierrez here.
0: Yeah, I think Ewell's uh, like actually – better than he has been. He's putting some of his game together. His conditioning is a little bit better. But I think Gutierrez has this fascinating ability like in a different way from Usman but a similar effect to just stifle his opponent's offense by keeping him at a range where it's impossible to get Gutierrez where Gutierrez could just keep nitpicking at you with those annoying leg kicks and I think that's probably going to be the case here we've got a kicker versus a boxer and a kicker who's really good at keeping the boxer from coming in so I, I favor Gutierrez in this matchup as well my next pick is going to be Gabe Green to beat Philip Rowe Rose like super tall. He's got a Neil Magny body type. He's in some ways got like a lot of Neil Magny attributes, I would say. He's like, when he's aggressive, he can be pretty solid, right? But his output can be low at times. Um, He has a pretty good ground game, it seems like, and that's maybe his advantage over green in this matchup but i think green given his ufc debut the way he looked against daniel rodriguez who's like a serious prospect at 170 right he he never he took the fight i think on four days notice never stopped throwing offense throughout those three rounds he just consistently threw offense at the guy always tried to pressure him and so i think if he brings that kind of intensity against philip Rowe, he's gonna look good here uh like i said there might be a risk on the ground against roe if roe gets really aggressive there but i'm gonna pick gabe green i actually think gabe green is a little bit of a betting opportunity at minus 135 I would invest some money into him as well and same thing with Gutierrez I think Gutierrez by decision is very likely and that could be a prop to take advantage of with Gutierrez being a minus 155 favorite only in that matchup so we're largely on the same page buddy what's your next pick or um, do you agree oh, on the yeah. deep green matchup yeah I'm on
1: yeah I'm on the, I'm, I'm with you there although that topology is largely favoring row um which is interesting what does Tapology
0: the- know Nikolai uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, it's funny. I've, I usually pick the women's fights early, but we've, yeah, uh, we've left them th- for last. We left, we've left them all for last. And they're, they're, uh, they're not super, uh, easy ones to, um, to pick, not at all. Uh, t- yeah. To pick, but, uh, I'll start, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll knock it off by picking, uh, Martin over, uh, Vienna. I just don't, I would pick almost anybody over Vienna at this, at this point, I think, um, Hang on, I gotta look up her. I forgot Martin's first name. Mallory. Mallory. Uh yes, yes. They're all blurry. Everyone's blurring together for me. Yeah, <laughs> she. Uh, she got that choke. She. You know, her loss was to uh Aruba, which is highly forgivable. Um, I would. I would choke out just looking. I would black out just watching Janderoba walk into the cage. <laughs> um, she's terrifying. And and but then she. Uh, she. She got uh, Hannah Cipher's. Uh, in a fight that she uh dominated um pretty hardcore. I don't I don't see her having a whole lot of trouble um uh getting uh, getting uh on top of and controlling uh Viana who just hasn't showed that much outside of her uh her armbar win against Whitmire from the uh from the bottom, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, Viana like has like she's a pretty good striker, but her wrestling is not great, and she can't submit girls off her back if given the opportunity. She has some power on her hands, and I think that's another kind of big thing in her favor, especially since Mallory Martin was hurt pretty badly in her last matchup against one of your favorite fighters. Uh, what's her name? Well, Seif- Santa Hannah Cyphers does
1: have does have power. I mean, she does but- definitely.
0: And Cypher's hurt her badly in that first round. Although Mallory Martin looked pretty sharp leading up to that moment. Cypher's landed that overhand right and just started beating on her for the rest of the round and then just kind of gassed herself out. Mallory, you know, Put herself together uh, in between rounds, came back and submitted her, dominated and submitted her in that second round. Um, I, I think Viana has power in her hands, and there's that risk for Mallory there, and that's part of the reason I, you know, left this for for so late. And she can pull off the occasional submission off her back. I don't know how likely that is against Mallory Martin. I think Martin is mentally stronger and likely a better grappler. As long as she doesn't stand in front of Viana for long, uh, she should win this fight. She's tougher and stronger, and probably a better grappler. So I am there with you, buddy. Um, my next pick is going to be this. This is uh, probably was going to cost me the uh, the win here. I'm going to take Miranda Maverick. I guess I see serious yeah. risk there because Maverick can be taken down, and Jillian Robertson is excellent takedown artist. has a good grappling from up top. I think Miranda will have the better offensive striking. And I think she should be able to, like, I don't think she's a girl that will be submitted by Robertson if she gets on top. I see serious risk here, and I might just change this pick over the course of this next week. But I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick to pick up a decision win here.
1: Yeah, I had the the same thing. It's like Robertson, she's really, really good, but her plan B isn't great.
0: Yeah, there's not much of a plan B. It's
1: true. Um, But the next fight, the final one, the one that we've saved for last is the trickiest one to call because we haven't seen macy barber in a in uh over a year uh, since she got since she got completely destroyed by roxy who isn't known as much as we love her she's not known for completely destroying people um no and she hurt her she knocked her down um and she did and she dominated her uh for the rest of the for the rest of the fight yes there was a leg injury at some point but she got not she got knocked on her ass before that happened um you know and then we've got the sample size of she beat ciphers she beat jj aldrich which is for real aldrich is a yeah, tough fighter and definitely. she d- completely overwhelmed jillian uh, robertson so which what's going to happen yeah, yeah what's going to happen against alexa Grasso, who's uh, a very very good uh, boxer and uh, and fast but has major has major problems uh, on the ground and can be dominated and held there and doesn't always know how to get back up.
0: Yeah, and she's the smaller fighter on paper coming up from one fifteen yep. in this one.
1: And she's a smaller fighter, but we don't know the th- what I don't think is going to happen is I think she's got too much poise to be just like overwhelmed by a like a mauling, not disciplined barber the way that um, to some extent Robertson was. But I don't. don't know enough about about Macy Barber's takedowns and ground game. We know that she's bigger, but is she going to try to box? Is she going to get hurt early? If rock, if a right hand from Roxanne, I think it was a right hand, put her down. What will Grasso, like a real boxer, um, do? I. It's a. It's a super super uh, difficult one uh, to call. But the way. Jeez, this is friggin' hard. I'm. I'll probably be wrong, but <laughs> I'm gonna go. And it's, I'm going against what I had written down. I'm changing my mind on this one. I'm gonna go with the um. The experience of Alexa Grasso over the um, you know, over the the youth and potential of of Macy Barber, despite her being coming out like a bat out of hell. I think she may be flyweight women's Thomas Almeida and I I could be proven wrong on this but I think that I think Alexa Grasso is a is a level higher than Barbara can handle right now
0: yeah it's entirely possible Barbara moves in and out in straight lines and Grasso should have the footwork advantage I also think Grosso should be the quicker athlete, coming up from 115 pounds. She will have the sharper boxing, even though Barber is, she hits hard, man. Barber will have the better clinch game and possibly a strength advantage. She'll also have the kicking advantage, even though Grosso is improving in that regard. All of this leads me to the conclusion that it will be a tight decision. I'm giving the edge to Grosso, who I think will land the cleaner strikes, even though Barber will be more aggressive. I don't love how Barber broke mentally in her last fight, which is part of what has me picking the more seasoned Grosso here. So literally on the same page on every pick. We only have 12 picks on this event, Nick, so I think a tie is entirely possible. I also think, like, easily this event could go either way based on which fights we picked. Really excited to watch this card. I think it's going to be an entertaining one. We've got a couple of interesting ones in a row, which I love. We are now 1-1 and in our picks, Nikolai, and your first pick was Blal Mohamed. Second, you took Ricky Simone. Your third pick was Kelvin Gastelum, fourth. Chris Gutierrez your fifth pick was Mallory Martin and your last pick was Alexa Grosso my first pick was Rodolfo Vera second Bobby Green third I took Jul- Julian Marquez fourth I took Kumara Usman the champ my fifth pick was Gabe Green and finally my last pick was Miranda Fear the Maverick who I think I there's a good chance I'm going to change that pick and that will do it for this one Nick excited to see which one of us wins it seems like a tie is entirely possible here
1: yeah I'm uh I'm excited I'm excited to watch this card I'm ex- and I'm fine paying the 65 bucks for it or whatever. I don't know if I'm going to be victorious, but I feel pretty good about my picks.
0: Yeah. I thought you made some solid selections.
1: Um, I don't feel like I've, you know, our, when our, our, our orders were more aligned than they usually are. Usually our orders Definitely. are not in sequence. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm not going to be arrogant about this week after the shellacking I received last week, but no, uh, you shouldn't forward, be. It really looking, could go either way. Are you going to watch live? we you be able to text me.
0: Um, yeah, I, I should be watching live, at least by the pay-per-view. I usually kind of play catch-up because of commercials. I, I start watching like yep. an hour into it because um, I like to skip through the commercials when I can.
1: Toyo quick- tires. Toyo G- tires. Right,
0: right. I need to see fighters punching tires to know that those tires are good quality. That's that's my uh, ultimate measure. Um, just real quick, Nick, next week we've got Blades versus Lewis. Kaitlin Barrier versus Yana Kuniskaya is on that card. Chris Dalkas is coming up uh, against Alexei Olenek. Tom Aspinall against Andre Arlovsky. Jared Gordon uh, coming back. And uh, let's see, Eddie Wineland is coming back. We've got, we've got some interesting. Drakkar Close versus Jay Herbert, who looked pretty good in his UFC debut early on. Nasruddin Imavov versus Phil Hawes, I think, is interesting. Definitely some interesting stuff to look forward to on this next card, Nikolai.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm excited. That main event is killing.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, Looking forward to uh, connecting next week to break it all down. Have a great week, buddy.
1: You too, Stan. Bye-bye.